0: You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.
1: There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sin. sinners punch me
0: So goes the opening stanza of a beautiful 18th century hymn penned by William Cooper. Cooper had a troubled life. His childhood was marked by loss and extreme bullying. His mother lost three children before William was born and three more after. She died when he was only six years old. Cooper was to experience more painful loss of those close to him as the years went by. After his mother's death, his father immediately packed him off to boarding school, where he suffered merciless violence at the hands of a 14-year-old boy. For many years to come, the mention of this boy's name would strike dread into William's heart. He experienced his first bout of debilitating depression at the tender age of 21, the first of four bouts that would paralyze him with fear and despair. It was to become the theme of his life. The depths of depression that he fell into drove him to attempt suicide several times. The guilt of his attempted suicides tormented him even more. Everything he read condemned him. Every night brought terrifying nightmares. And every day was a battle to hang on to a slender thread of sanity. In the 1760s, Cooper was committed to an insane asylum for a time. Poetry seems to have been the way to express his inner torment. While he was in there, he penned a poem that started, Hatred and Vengeance, My Eternal Portions. Nothing could convince Cooper that there was any hope for him, only that terrible and eternal punishment awaited him. While in the asylum, he found the Bible. and opening to John 11 read the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead a tiny sliver of light reached into his soul when he saw the goodness and mercy and compassion of Jesus Christ. He began to feel that he was not completely doomed. Picking up the Bible again, he read in Romans 3.25, God has appointed Jesus Christ as the means of propitiation, a propitiation accomplished by the shedding of his blood, to be received and made effective in ourselves by faith. God has done this to demonstrate his righteousness, both by the wiping out of the sins of the past, the time when he withheld his hand, and by showing in the present time that he is a just God, and that he justifies every man who has faith in Jesus Christ. Cooper later wrote of this event, Immediately I received the strength to believe it, and the full beams of the Son of Righteousness shone upon me. I saw the sufficiency of the atonement he had made, my pardon sealed in his blood, and all the fullness and completeness of his justification. In a moment I believed and received the gospel. My eyes filled with tears and my voice choked with transport. I could only look up to heaven in silent fear, overwhelmed with love and wonder. I wish I could say that was the end of Cooper's torment and depression, but sadly no. Darkness and shadow was his near-constant companion all his days. Had he lived today, no doubt he would be diagnosed with an appropriate mental illness and put on a drug regime to control it, but I wonder whether Cooper would have ever put anything of lasting value to paper if he was medicated. It seems that sometimes the greatest artistic and literary genius is accompanied by madness. After recovering and being released from the asylum, Cooper met John Newton, former slave trader now turned Christian minister and author of possibly the most famous and most loved hymn of all time, Amazing Grace. Newton took Cooper under his wing, talking with him, helping him, encouraging him. They remained lifelong friends. Newton invited Cooper to contribute to a hymnal that he was putting together for the people of his parish. Cooper contributed roughly a quarter of the hymns, including this one that we've just heard, which is actually titled Praise for the Fountain Opened, and another reasonably well-known hymn, which begins God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Newton contributed the rest of the hymns, including Amazing Grace. Cooper wrestled with depression a mental illness for the rest of his days. At the age of 42, he he experienced an attack of insanity that cursed him, caused him to believe that not only was he condemned to hell by God, but that God was also commanding him to sacrifice his own life. As John Piper puts it, William Cooper's life seems to be one long accumulation of pain. His whole life seemed to be lived as though he stood before an executioner, just waiting for the final moment when his life would be snuffed out. Not entirely unlike his Lord's. It seems remarkable when viewed from this distance of 250 years that Cooper could write such a beautiful hymn of God's mercy from within the blackness and despair of his life. Interestingly, While Cooper was convinced that God's saving grace, once extended to a repentant sinner, would seal that person's salvation and keep it to the end, he just couldn't quite believe it for himself. All others were safe in God's care, he was convinced, but he was the one exception to the rule. But Cooper had glimpsed something about Christ, some precious gem of truth that his inner poet could not contain. What was this great truth that Cooper glimpsed about Christ? What was this light that shone like a beacon in a dark storm? He captures it in the first verse of this hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners, plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. This is the message of the cross. This is what Easter is all about. Cooper's saviour lived his life under a dark cloud of humiliation and rejection and pain and suffering. He lived his life in the shadow of the executioner's cross. For Christ, there would be no escape either. His life was ordained, determined before the foundation of the world to be a life of sacrifice, until he became the ultimate sacrifice the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ's life was lived for a single purpose, to bring salvation and reconciliation to a human race marred by sin and violence and unbelief. There could be no other way. Sin has torn our world apart. Sin tears apart families. Sin destroys relationships and turns minor slights into world wars, but worse, sin has put an impenetrable wall between mankind and God. Our pathetic efforts cannot even put a scratch in that barrier. Our good behaviour, our religion, our intellect, our heritage, none of it can break the wall down. It is a dividing wall of hostility, as Paul put it in Ephesians 2.14, and no mere man can pull it down but there is one who can, one who came from heaven, born of a virgin, one who lived a sinless life, one who went around around doing good, one who fulfilled every demand of a holy God, but received only rejection and execution on a Roman cross for his troubles. Jesus Christ satisfied the demands for perfect obedience on our behalf. He paid the penalty that was due to us, death. And by that death, he has torn down the barrier to make peace for us and reconcile us to God. Christ's blood cleanses us from sin, washing away every stain of guilt, so that we can stand with confidence and with clear conscience before God. But it came at the cost of his life the only perfect life ever lived. And the preciousness of that sacrifice is captured in Cooper's hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Cooper's was a strange blend of understanding the amazing grace offered to sinners in Christ's death coupled with a heightened sense of his own sin and unworthiness to receive that grace. His hymns showed that he understood that there were no exceptions to who could receive grace, and yet that he felt that he and he alone could not. Cooper never let go of his hold on God's grace, as tenuous as it seems to have been for all his life. Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. May well have been William Cooper's cry. The dark struggle of Cooper's life should give us all hope. No matter how dark and stormy the night is, there is always the beacon, the lighthouse of Christ's mercy shining through the inky blackness, beckoning us us to come into a safe harbour. And today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, that beacon shines brighter than ever. Come to me. All you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The promise ever stands. Good Friday tore down the barrier between sinful mankind and the Holy God. Easter Sunday restores the relationship for every person who would come to him in faith. Easter is the evidence of that. As it says in Romans 3.26, God has done this, that is, God has sent his son Jesus to the cross to demonstrate his righteousness, both by the wiping out of the sins of the past, the time when he withheld his hand, and by showing in the present time that he is a just God. Good Friday, that darkest of days, is the proof that God is a just and holy God who cannot tolerate sin. Sin must be dealt with and paid for but Romans 3:26 goes on to say and that he justifies every man who has faith in Jesus Christ Easter Sunday that brightest of bright days is the proof that the penalty paid by Jesus Christ for sin was accepted paid in full and now all who put their trust in Jesus Christ are declared to be not guilty on the basis that Jesus Christ has already served the punishment on their behalf. All you need to do to receive that benefit, as William Cooper knew, is to put your trust in him. Would you do that now?
1: Thank mm-hmm. you. i oh, mm mm-hmm.
0: Listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.